five, four, three, two, one. I don't even know what's happening. Put in sport mode and you're going to fly. Just exactly how awesome it was to The mighty, mighty Nissan GTR. You've got the Mustang, the Camaro, the Challenger, the Corvette, the Viper. America. Damn, I forgot the bananas. I love this. Hello, boys and girls. Welcome. This is Christian Moe. You're listening to the TopSpeed.com podcast. TopSpeed.com is your internet home for all the crazy, cool, and amazing automotive things that exist in this grand, wide world. If it has a motor and goes, we like to talk about it. Even if it doesn't actually have a motor and goes, but has to do with cool car stuff, we want to talk about it. Hello, everyone. Happy Thursday. Uh, this is the 21st episode of the Top Speed Podcast. You know what that means? We're 21. We're old enough to drink. You guys got a beverage? I think I think we should open up beverages to celebrate being old enough to drink. Cheers. Mm. Ah, that's great beer. Ah, oh, man. Yes, sir. I have delicious... Main root, handcrafted root beer. Um, Justin Coupler, our editor-in-chief, what are what are you drinking? I am drinking a uh, fine bottle of IBC root beer. Mm. Ooh, very delicious. Mark, yeah. what did what did what did you bring to our party? I am uh, drinking the cold brew draft from Stewart's Fountain Classics. Ooh. Yes. Non- so there you go. Non-alcoholic. See, See, that's the thing I don't like about root beer is there's no caffeine in it because I know. as as I'm sure everyone is aware, I need caffeine in my life. Lots. Lots of caffeine. So yeah. Welcome. We're we're celebrating our twenty first podcast birthday with, yes. with some, some root brews. Cheers. <laughs> Clink. Cheers. Clink. <laughs> it's like tap the mic. <laughs> Oh, wow, that was really loud. Yeah, a little bit. <laughs> Sorry, everyone with headphones on. We're drinking stuff. <laughs> All right, this is a party. <laughs> Are you sure yours is only root beer, Christian? I'm, I'm kind of worried about you. Uh, root beer you, with you the scotch. You should be worried about me, but yes, it is just only the root beers. I can just drink, you know, Mountain Dew. Uh, <laughs> not the real I, stuff. I'm going to go ahead and drop a little hi, everyone, into our chat box real quick so we can get this party started. Again, everyone, hello and happy Thursday. Like I said, this is the TopSpeed.com podcast. Uh, I am very happy to have you here. Again, if you missed it, I am Christian Moe. We are joined by Justin Coupler, editor-in-chief, and, of course, the wonderful bearded Mark McNabb, as always. Um, welcome, everyone. Um we're going to go ahead and get this thing started. Oh, I do have one quick announcement. Next week, the show will be on Wednesday, not on Thursday. Hump day? Uh, 
Yep, I'm going to be in Colorado next week, so I'll be doing the podcast from there because I'm going to be at Flying Miata driving a bunch of cool cars. But Thursday, I'm busy all day driving cars, so I can't do the podcast. So, oh, yeah. poor poor Christian. I it's, know, it's such a hard such life. A rough, such a rough life you have. All right, so, yes, next week is a cast on Wednesday, so we'll we'll see you guys then. But uh, let's jump into it with Weekly Wheels. Uh, this week, I've been driving one incredibly impressive machine. Um Probably one of the most expensive things I've ever driven and one of the most powerful. Wait, actually, no, it's the opposite of that. It's one of the least powerful and cheapest things I've ever driven. Um, I was in the 2014 Nissan Versa. No. Whoa, yes. Watch out for the children. I have a whopping 109 horsepower, 107 pound-feet of torques. Yep. And... uh. The base price for my car, which is the most expensive trim level to start with, fifteen thousand nine ninety. Oh, uh, yeah. <laughs> I think I had an option that cost about that much on one of my press cars. Yep. Um, but but I did have other other options. In fact, I had all of them. Every single option you you can get on this car, I got the SL Power package. Windows? Well, no, it comes with all that stuff standard. Ooh. Actually, it comes with a lot standard. Okay, yeah, standard. Six-way adjustable driver's seat, AM, Ooh. FM, CD, auxiliary audio system, power door locks with auto lock, power windows with one touchdown, remote keyless entry, cruise control, Bluetooth, leather-wrapped stereo with audio controls, chrome door handles and accents, silver trim accents on the radio and the shifter. It's actually not Swanky. bad. <laughs> For $15,900. That's not bad at all, actually. Yeah, yeah that's uh, pretty cool. Yeah, but I have yeah, an you, SL you package. Can... Sorry, mm-hmm. so SL package, uh, 16-inch alloys, the fancy Nissan entry with the push-button starter. It's uh, a cool easy-fill tire alert thing, which the easy-fill is where like you just start putting air in your tire, and when you get the right pressure, the car honks at you to tell you to stop, so you don't need a pressure gauge. That's super cool. Uh, fog lights, heated seats... Uh, 4.3 inch color display with iPod control, Sirius radio, rear view camera, uh, rear cup holders, and a divide and hide adjustable floor. <clears throat> you know, I want to I go back to that easy fill system. You know, TPMS system's been around since what, Mark, 2008, roughly. That's about when it got when it got standardized. Yeah, got standardized. I I think yeah. they became mandatory in like 2010. Like they had yeah. to be on cars. Yeah, 2010 so they, I think is the mandatory. They've been around that long, and and they started back in the late 90s, from what I remember. Mm-hmm. Um. Why haven't they done this earlier? Why is it taking them like four years since it was mandated to get make a little horn honk when you hit the pressure? Yeah, I because, think that's a really because good, nobody like, ever thought about that. So it's so stupidly clever, but I mean, major kudos to Nissan for actually thinking of something so awesome. Yeah, like, right. like stepping down a scale from like an over engineering standpoint and going, hey guys, what are we doing? Let's make this thing beep. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. Beep. Oh, hey. You know this thing already knows the pressure, right? <laughs> One simple line of code and it works. <laughs> but there are still cars like my Golf will not tell me what tire is low. It just says on my car low tire pressure. <sighs> I I have worked in shops long enough to develop a scornful hatred for TPM. Oh yeah. Yeah, I'm just same way. Ten oh. years in it, and I can. Anyways, the worst ones. The worst ones are the Ford I, band ones. Yes. I still have. Yes. I still have stuff to go over. Oh, 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 with, oh, okay. I am. I am not done with my. Hey, we're talking about four TPMS yeah. here, okay? And how right. terrible they are. But but so I had the SL package with all those other things <laughs> I just I just listed. 
Plus, I also have a carpeted cargo floor mat. Ooh. I have a rear cargo cover. And then I have the technology package, which swaps out my 4.3-inch color stereo for a 5.8 one with navigation. The fancy around-view monitor that shows you, like, the top-down 360 view of your car like you oh, get on awesome. infinities. Yeah, it. great. Oh, wait, great and all system. this is for 15? No. These are these are all my options. The base car is 15.9, and then these oh. are the options on top of it. So uh, along with my navigation, I've got Google Send to Car, POIs by Google, Pandora compatibility with iOS phones, streaming audio for my Bluetooth, hands-free text messaging assistance, uh, and heated side view mirrors. So I have literally every single option that you can get on this car. Okay, now let's guess price. We have to guess the price, okay? Okay. With, I'm sh- with destination. With destination, I'm going to say twenty-one I'm going to go eighteen five. Um. Mark is closer. Damn. $19,545. $19, and that's with Are an $800 destination. $800 destination. Now, now, the Versa Note, that's that's the smallest Nissan, right? The Versa well, the Versa is the smallest Nissan. The Note's the hatchback, the, the 5 Yeah, the Note's got the kind of the... Yeah. Well, I'm really impressed that you can get all of that, especially that round view monitor and navigation for I know! Like, that's that's kind of impressive. That's kind of impressive. But now, how does it drive? Is it, is it just a dog, or is it actually semi-decent? It's the best and worst thing I've driven this year. <laughs> Um, So oh, okay. it has that awesome, really nippy... So the thing weighs right under 2,500 pounds, so it weighs about as much as a Miata. It weighs nothing. That's tiny. Yeah, and the wheels are stretched all the way out to either end, so it handles great. So you point it at a corner, you jerk the wheel, it's really nimble and nippy, and it'll swing into a corner, and it's just awesome. But I've got a CVT, and it's the worst CVT I've ever driven in a Nissan in probably six or seven years. That sounds exactly like the fit I had, identical. (laughs) <laughs> um, so, like, rubber banding is so bad on this car. Um, the car says it will do 40 miles per gallon with the CVT. And you can tell that they got that number because the CVT is so aggressively tuned to stay as low in the RPM range as humanly possible. <laughs> it's like it never wants to get above 1,100 RPMs unless you're standing on the gas. Uh... And so that's what – like, I think if I lived in Kansas, it'd be fine. But I live in an area that's very hilly, and so I go to go up a hill, and I give it some gas, and nothing happens. And I give it some more gas, and nothing happens. And I give it some more gas, and nothing happens because it wants to maintain that fuel economy. And then I give it a little bit more gas, and the car thinks, oh, you want to go really fast. And it revs the snot out of this thing, and it tries to launch me up this hill. And I'm like, okay, now I'm going 60 when all I wanted was 55. And you let off the pedal just a little bit, and it immediately drops down into the bottom of the rev range. (laughs) And the problem is, if you're not at the top of the hill yet, suddenly the car starts slowing down again because you don't have enough power to make it up the hill because you only have 109 horsepower at full song. So when I'm sitting at like sort of power mode or eco mode that you can turn on or off, I looked everywhere. No, there are no buttons for different modes. Oh, that's miserable. And that's so there is there is like an L on the gearbox, so you can put it so it'll like hold a lower gear range. Um, Yeah, it's just park, reverse, neutral, D, L. Wow, that sounds like a Cavalier from like 92. Um, So leaving it in in low mode does make it slightly more drivable, but it makes the fuel economy awful. 
Um, I spent a day and a half doing testing in low mode, and it's much more drivable, but I averaged about 24 and a half miles to the gallon. Ooh. How yeah. The car is rated 31 city, 40 highway. Wow. Uh, yeah. Leaving it in drive and fighting the transmission, I managed 30. Mm. Yeah. Mm. So it's a, flat, it's a flat, flat terrain car then, probably. <laughs> right. I'd like, I, I'm like. I'm guessing if you were just driving around like a downtown area, it'd be great. Um, but like the transmission is the only thing I hate about this car. So like room, there's so much space inside of this thing. Um, you can slide the front seats all the way back, and there's still like tons and tons of leg room. So um, I have a friend who is six foot eight inches tall. Right, my friend AJ. Um, we had a big get together at my neighbor's house. AJ showed up. I'm like, AJ, sit in this car and adjust the seat to where you're comfortable behind the driver's seat. Slid the seat all the way back, leaned back a little bit, got himself comfortable in this thing, and he fit. And he was like, Wow, I fit. And I'm like, And watch this. And I can go in and get in behind him, and I'm comfy, and I have room. My knees don't even touch the back of the seat. Yeah, that's, that's that's pretty that's pretty yeah. good. Um, basically the way they did it was like they took the old car and then they cut the back seat out, slid it back like six inches and then put it back in. Uh, the only problem with that is you lose a bit of trunk space. Um, well, you but can the like down there, right? Right. Well, and the, and the trunk has a cool dual load floor thing. So you open up the hatch and there's the bumper and then like it drops six inches and there's like a well. And so you have extra vertical storage space. But then there's, like, the floor panel lifts up and slides on a rail to sit up higher to be level with the bumper, and that's where the seats fold down. So if you're not folding the seats, you can drop the floor down and have extra storage space. When you need to fold down the seats to put something long in it, you can lift the panel up, and it makes almost a flat load floor. Oh, that's really cool. Really, really intelligently designed. And like I said, everything about this car feels really intelligently designed. The windows are big, like, even the roof liner. So, like... The headliner is molded around the frame of the car. <clears throat> like you look up at the headliner and it bows up, and then you can see where the strengthening beam is in the frame, and it wraps around that, and then it goes up again, so that it maximizes space everywhere it can. Even like the door panels seem to be molded slightly outward, so you get like more more hip room in the car. So <laughs> tons and tons of space, nippy little thing to drive, handles great. It's just that damn CVT that kills it. <laughs> And the, you can you can get it with a manual, but you're That's stuck with the base 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 model. See, so you I don't did, get the navigation, don't you don't get the around view monitor, nothing like that. Like, why not offer this, the manual? You know, I don't I don't get why they uh, you know put that right. just in the base model. And, and it's like they can they can keep the automatic as standard. Like, okay, if you get the nice one, you get the CVT as standard. That's fine, but give me the no cost option to go back to the manual. But here's here's the issue we run into is the take rate. Um, we're talking about us, you know, auto writers, auto enthusiasts. We want to go out there and fling this thing around corners. Your average, you know, soccer mom that's going to buy this, you know, Versa Note isn't going to be taken down, you know, up these massive hills expecting it to slingshot up the hill and all that stuff. Well, so right. They and don't that's... want a manual transmission. Oh, hey, Holtie's Holtie's here. Hi, Holtie. Hi, Holtie. What's up? <laughs> um, well, but so so that's my my thing about it is they already sell the manual in this car. They already have it as an option. And starting for 2015, they've got a sport version called SR with a body kit and, like, revised suspension and all that stuff. Still no manual option. <sighs> they So they already put the manual in this car. It won't cost them a dime. Again, make them just like you are. Make the automatic standard. But give me the no-cost option to do a manual so if somebody wanted to order one, they could. 
and I don't. There is no way that can cost Nissan like any money at all. To well, do the it issue, way. the issue becomes again, like I said, the take rate. They don't want these things sitting on the dealership gaining dust. Um, so if no one's going to buy a top but line, but most dealers aren't going to order them that way. But and also, do you think Nissan is really going to sit there and take special orders for a Versa Note? Any dealer will take a special order for any car if you go into the dealer no. and order a car. I've, they will I've do worked. It. I've worked way too many dealerships, and they don't do that. Um, they will search other dealer stock for you, but there's other than the premium cars, BMW, Mercedes, things like that. They really don't do special orders. It's super, super rare for them to do. It. Really? Especially something I like had. That. I had a Honda dealer that was gonna order me an Accent. That's. What a Honda dealer is going to order you an accent? A Hyundai dealer was going oh. to was going to special order me an, an accent. Now, like the whole thing is, you're not going to be able to wheel and deal. It's you're going to pay sticker. But you I can go my... to almost any dealer and be like, I want this car with this options. I don't care to wait. Well, you also have to be careful with terminology. I bet by special order, they're actually calling another dealer in another state and doing a swap. They're saying, Hey, you have what this guy wants. Let's swap this thing out. If I can get it, I don't care. But this was – he said it'll take you six months to get it because it'll have to come in from the factory. But hmm. we can get you this six car. Six months. Wow. Yeah, well, because, know. again, it was a top-of-the-line accent in ugly, obnoxious green with the manual. <laughs> I, know, I know my dad just got a – he just got an SLK, and he wanted, he had to fight to get him the special order for it. He really? He threatened to leave to get him the special order because he wanted all this stuff that wasn't on any – Typical SLK. So you had to actually sit there and bargain with them and pay full MSRP and argue with the manager about getting it. Or not argue you know, what, you know, you know what the problem with that is? Good. He is at Mercedes-Benz. I've got a friend right now who is – he has bought and paid for a BMW M4, right? He comes to pick it up Saturday, maybe, because they just called him and said, by the way, even though you're coming in from Texas to pick up this car, it might have been delayed a week. Oops. Huge, huge, huge mess. But he's been fighting them every single step of the way. Every single step of the way. You know, so um, he ordered it in Knoxville because they said we can we can get it to you first. And then they just stopped returning his phone calls and emails because, like, whatever. It doesn't matter. And this is his third BMW that he's bought. He had a Z, uh, Z3, then he bought an M3, and then he has the M3. M4 now. He says every time it's 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 like this. They just don't care because they know that badge on the front of that car is going to sell the car, and they don't have to do any work. That just doesn't make sense to me. Well, so okay, you want to come in and give them a huge hassle for your special order car. Here's how you do. They don't. Well, but but just just let me finish that. So if if they don't want to deal with it and they tell you to go piss off and you leave. It doesn't matter at all to them because somebody else is going to walk in right behind you and just take what they have on the lot because it says BMW on the front of it. Yeah, well, here's here's how you solve the issue. You make a website like Ford did the Mustang. You let the people build whatever the heck they want, have them put their financial information in, get them pre-approved, and say your vehicle will arrive in six weeks. Slap yeah. it on a truck just like the dealer would have ordered it, but you ordered it. You know, whatever. Like, I don't understand how that's so hard. Because it's hassle that they don't want to deal with. That's that's what it is. All it all it is is like, what what parts get put on the car in the factory? It doesn't, you know. Well, and it's also it's also because production is a very calculated thing. They have that calculated down to the penny 
how much it's going to cost to run that line, to put these options in this many cars, this option in that many cars. And they have this thing down to the dime. Ford offering that option alone is a new thing to me. Um, it, that's what it's all about. It's about penny pinching. They, 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 they bean count this thing to the, to the teeth. All right. Anyways, we need to move on. But oh, I have I have one quick last little thing because it's super funny. Uh, so my friend is coming <laughs> to get this M4, and I am gonna get to drive it. But I'm not gonna get oh. to drive it hard because he wants to follow to the T the break-in procedure. You know what? This is his brand new M4, one of the first in the states, all that sort of stuff. He wants to follow that letter, you know, that break-in procedure as perfectly as possible. I'm like, okay, that's fine. Um, and then he said, you know, and I'm sorry, but here's how I think about this. You don't let someone else screw your wife, and you certainly don't let someone else red redline your your new car first. <laughs> so he will not um, let me beat on his M M4 until the break-in period's over, and he will be the one to beat on it first, because you don't let someone else red redline your car first. Um, but we're gonna move on, anyways. <laughs> Nissan Versa Note, super cheap. Super awesome. CVT sucks. Um, let's move on to what I had a little while ago that doesn't suck at all. Justin? Yeah, it doesn't suck one bit. Um, I am having my second stint in the 2014 MX-5 Miata. Uh, Moss is on a massive PR tear um, promoting the 2014 Miata, while the 2015 one, or I'm sorry, it's actually going to be 2016 model, is in production and getting ready to roll out in, I think, it's September. Uh, so they gave me one last year, gave Christian one, was it last week or the week before? Now I have one. Yeah. Mine now it's is, my turn. <laughs> mine is literally identical to the one Christian had with the exception of the color. Christian had that fancy little grandpa uh, burgundy. I got the liquid silver, which is equally grandpa-ish, a little bit sportier than the uh, than the burgundy, but it's okay. It doesn't photograph all that well, but you know, it is a Miata either way. Looks really good with the top up. That's one thing I can say. This liquid silver looks awesome when you have the top up. Makes it look like a much more luxurious car. Looks doesn't look like a uh, a Mazda Miata with the top up. Uh, mine had the power hard top. You know, 167 horsepower. The most beautiful gear shift system in the world. That transmission is absolutely wonderful. I felt oh horrible gosh. going. I felt horrible going from that car into my ND Mazda Speed. You know, my ND Mazda Speed has a nice transmission. But it is a hot mess relative to the six-speed they have in the 2014. It is just... I know, that NC's transmission is so good. It's like, it's just, it's like butter on hot bread, just straight in gear. The shifts are, I, I swear the shift is like that far, the throw, maybe. Nice. Yeah, it's, it's, like, it's, it's like, like you just a half flick inch. your finger. <laughs> you flick your finger, it's in gear. I mean, I have never driven a car with a transmission that sweet. And as I tell people all the time, if you buy an automatic MX-5, you're doing it completely wrong. I don't if even you, know why they bother selling it. I don't know. And buying an automatic in this one when you're dealing with the most perfect manual transmission in the world is just idiotic. Um, they do make it, and I bet if I looked at the take rate, it's super, super low. Um, and it ruins the hell out of the resale value. It does. And, oh, yeah, nobody wants an automatic. Nobody. Yeah, nobody. Um, plus, I think they decrease the power a little bit, don't they? With the, they do. So it's yeah. 167 for a manual. It's 158 for the automatic because yeah. of the way the torque converter is set up. Yeah, oh, that's, 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 that's yeah. really weird. And the great thing about Miata, okay, here's the really cool thing about Mazda's plan here. This is the range-topping Miata. Grand Touring Power Retractable Hardtop, and it still has the manual transmission standard. Um, that is Mazda really you know, catering to the people it's selling to. 
Um, but really, well, I mean, but I, well, but like like I said in my review, I had every option on my car, tech tech package, and everything. Mm-hmm. No big navigation screens, no fancy touch control, nothing. I've got some knobs for the radio, some knobs for the air conditioning, and a button to put the roof up and down. Like that's it. You do get an up- updated stereo. Um, it's six speakers instead of I think the base is four. It's a Bose system, and it sounds actually really good for a convertible. Most convertible, especially one as cheap as this, the sound system is just kind of right. low. Uh, so it's really good for a convertible. We get six discs, but yeah, like you said before, they're they're touting the fact that it plays WMAs. Ooh, wow! Welcome to 1988. <laughs> it's got it written on the front of it, like yeah, like the stereo I bought for my first car. <laughs> CDs and MP3s. I'm like, yeah, rock on! Woo! Hey, um, hey, people pay extra for that sort of stuff. Yeah, Those are really. CDs right there. <laughs> but uh, but you do get the upgraded stereo. The leather the leather on these seats is actually really nice. I was shocked. You know, typically on on, on cars without the uh, without ventilation, the seats are kind of sticky. I really don't get that issue unless the top's up. I don't know. I think it's the thinness of the of the cushioning in the seat or something like that. Um, one cool thing about this is it's by far the easiest car to turn the traction control off. It is so easy. Most of them you have to push the button and sit there and hold it. This one you just go, dink, off. <laughs> it's like begging you to turn it off every single time. Yep. In fact, a lot of cars don't do that. So... Um, Right now, I have in my hand this thing, which uh, is a key to a Porsche. There is a Porsche in my driveway right now. If I want to turn the, turn the traction control off, press and hold the button, count to three, it'll go beep, 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 and then you let off the button, and then it will turn off. Mm-hmm. Be honest, like You just look and go, click. Yep. It's like it's, well, it's like turning on the stereo. You just hit the button. Yeah. Dude, might as well just put a toggle switch right on the stereo. Yeah. Bloop. Yep. My CD, uh, um, the CTS uh, Cadillac I had was like that too, right behind the shifter. One little button. Off, but I nice. don't think the CTS like because most cars now you can't they don't actually completely kill everything. Oh, I'm sure the nannies were like, still there. And I like like your like your traction control is gone, but like your stability management is still on or something. Like oh, that. Yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. So yeah. you can spin the tires, but you can't get too sideways. The Miata, yeah, the Miata is like no. well, <laughs> and, and to be to be fair, the system that's in the Miata is I think basically just barely legal because you have to have traction control of some sort. So like Miata put like the cheapest, dinkiest, most terrible one in it, like possible. Yeah, like it's it's just to yeah, say it's, it's got it. <laughs> yeah, like the one-two shift with the traction control, you still get sideways for about a half a second. But then the traction control, the traction control kicks in and you go. Oh! <laughs> what was that? How, how's it go? Because, oh! <laughs> yeah. No, no, he's almost exactly right because oh. you're like. Yeah, and you, you do feel like a race car because almost no matter what, if you're mid-turn in that one-two shift, the back end is going to take a step. Hey, some of my buddies from the Mazda group are here. Hey, Mazda Speedstick, Andrew, welcome. Um, but but yes, yeah, so like you get that little one-two shift in the back end just kind of steps a little bit. You're like, yeah, I feel like a race car. Whoop, there's the control. Cuts all the power. <laughs> oh, man. But once you turn that thing off, oh, it's so much fun. I mean, oh my God. to have a short wheelbase car like that get sideways on a one-two is scary, but it's also fun because it corrects itself so quickly. Oh, I know. Like, as soon like, as you let off the throttle, you, you let off the throttle a little bit, and the car will snap straight in line. It's yeah. fantastic. It is just awesome. Oh. But I can't rave any more about this car because I miss it. I miss it. You know, I'm driving on my Mazda speed now. I'm happy, but I missed the 2014, and I'm begging to get the 2016. So we'll see if that happens. Mazda, Mazda, if you're listening, I will sacrifice, and I will I will take a soft top. <laughs> no, they, they already made that mistake and sent Christian and I the, the car back-to-back. <laughs> so <laughs> they're yeah. not going to do that again. But um, 
Oh, there's a point I was just about to make, and I completely lost my point. Miata's awesome, and we love everything that Mazda does. Mazda, yes. please have babies with me. Yes. <laughs> anyway. Um, oh, you know what? Speaking of well, which, when the when the ND does come out and you're doing drives, I know that scheduling can be difficult, and the cars are scattered all across the United States. Mazda, I will drive where you need me to go to drive this thing. I have to go to Maine? That's fine. I'll go to Maine. Do I have to drive to Alaska? I will get there. We just... Uh, I need this thing in my life. Yeah. We're working on that. We've been talking right. to him. <clears throat> All right. Anyways, uh, let's move on to more convertible stuff. Yeah. I was, I was of... the only one this week that didn't have a convertible. Yeah, more more hardtop stuff. Yeah, I, I was in the Lexus, the 2014 Lexus IS350C F-Sport. It's a super long name, but it, it makes sense. Uh, yeah, yeah, it's pretty much the old uh, two-door IS, but with a hardtop on it. So... Uh, yeah, it's 2014. It's an IS, but it doesn't have any of the good stuff that the regular IS350 has from 2014. So, you know, you don't get the swanky spindle grill up front or the interesting um, interior things like that. It's all like a 2013 model, but you do get the hardtop. So you kind of trade off a little bit, but I mean, it's still a pretty cool car. Uh, power comes from that uh, good old 3.5 liter. V6 that is in every other Toyota. Uh, yeah, it makes pretty good power. It's 306 horsepower and 377 uh, foot-pounds of torque, so it's not bad. Zero to 60 um, roughly six seconds. Repeat those numbers. 306 horsepower, 277 pound-feet uh, of torque. You said 377 torque. I'm like, that is not nearly Ooh, 400 pound-feet. That'd be fun. <laughs> yeah, that's, you know, something like that. <laughs> so, um... Andrew, the, uh, the the Mazda Speed Stig in our chat says that if I get the uh, ND, he calls shotgun. <laughs> <laughs> All right, nuts. But, but so, anyway, continue with your Lexus story. Yeah, more more Lexus. Um, MPGs were pretty good. I got uh, 21.5 stickers, 22 for the combined. Everything seemed just to work pretty well. The interior was was okay. I did miss the the updated dash and everything like that I had uh, for the the IS350F Sport uh, sedan that I had. I did miss that a lot, but it still works fine. Uh, the thing that I missed the most, though, is that 8-speed automatic transmission. This thing only had a 6-speed, and uh, the paddle shifters didn't shift that quickly. So yeah, there's kind of sad about that. A few things I kind of took issue with after reading your piece on the IS. Um, first of all, the lead the lead image, like the first image you see, is a front three quarters, and that <laughs> gap between the front wheel and the yeah. wheel well is insane. It looks like the engine's been taken out of it. <laughs> it does. You know, I never noticed it until I got down that low to take that picture, and I'm like, holy crap! But I do have to admit, where I parked it, it's actually like a V in the pavement. Oh yeah, I can kind of see the V. So it's higher in the middle, but yeah, that's that gap between the tire and the fender, and that's. I didn't well, do anything special there. Dude, guys, you got to have room to fit your 24-inch dubs. Well, oh, yeah, man. <laughs> Another thing I take issue with is why in the hell do all these auto manufacturers, particularly luxury brands, release a brand-new-looking sedan? The sedan's all new and all fancy and all nice-looking, and then the coupe convertible stays the same for three more years. It's because yeah. nobody buys a Cooper convertible and they don't want to pay just, the money to fix it. Yeah, I've just never kind of grasped that. It's, you know, the CTS did it. Yeah. The, 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 the 3 Series did it. Now the IS is doing it. I don't well, get that. And, but, and a lot of it is, like, money. So 
if they release the sedan, which is their bread and butter, right, yeah. and it's all new, buyers are going to kind of flock to it. If you immediately release the coupe and the sedan and the convertible all at once, then suddenly people are trying to decide which one they want. They're walking around. And yeah. I, I'd say, especially on the convertible, profit margins are probably are not nearly as high on the convertible as they are on the sedan. Yeah, I see your point on that. Um, <clears throat> I I don't know. I imagine profit margins on this thing are pretty, pretty stout because my sticker for everything that it was included on mine was 53.8. Ooh, that's an expensive Toyota. It's kind of pricey. And and someone made a comment on the article that was like, why not buy a C7? And it <laughs> hit me. I'm like, well, for like four grand more, I could be in a Corvette convertible. And it's like, uh, could you be I in think a, I'll save yeah. from that. <laughs> yeah, 60, 60K will put you in a Corvette convertible. It's 58, I think. Yeah. I looked it up after I read that, and I'm like, that's holy crap, he's right. That, that's a tough. Uh, that's a that's a tough one to sell. <laughs> well, but but you don't get that badge on the front, or the eight-year-old bodywork, or the uh, yeah, top that. Oh, okay, you're making jokes. Looks, the top looks really ugly when it's up and eats up all of the trunk space when it's down. Okay, okay, okay. <laughs> I like the top on this car. It was so much fun to watch go up and down. It doesn't look bad when it's up either. And I just yeah, it does yeah, yeah. a lot of trunk space, but yeah. I think the I, I IS like, has I the like same the problem the 3 Series does. The IS has the same problem that the 3 Series does. They're different shaped. So the trunk on the IS is yeah. lengthened for the convertible the same way it is on the 3 Series because you have to have room to fit that top in it. So it's like four or five inches longer. And like when you look at them, they the, the proportions are just off. Like They look funny because they've got that longer rear deck to make room for that whole top to fold into it, and I really don't like it. Yeah, I mean, looking at the side profile of it, yeah, I mean, it does look different. Uh, from the B-pillar up, it looks the same. But, yeah, that rear three-quarter view is a little chunky. But I don't think it's three enough series for me is to, the same way. It's not enough for me to not want to buy the car if I was looking for a hardtop convertible Lexus. <clears throat> well, but if you're looking for a hardtop convertible Lexus, it's your only <laughs> choice. I know, <laughs> you right? You yourself into a very, very <laughs> tight niche there, Mark. If I want this car... Exactly. I'm gonna buy this I'm car. Gonna... <laughs> I'm not gonna buy it because of this. Well, there are some cars that have features like that that kind of break the deals for me. But um, this car was fine. Uh, I wasn't too keen on the interior when I got it, but the more I lived with it, the more I was like, you know what, this works. Uh, I did take a big complaint with that center console not having two cup holders. It has one, That's and then weird. you have to you have to slide the center armrest back. And then inside the center console is another like container for another cup holder. That's but really as soon awesome. as you do that, then you lost your armrest, and it's like I can't drink and drive at the same time, but not in a bad way because it's um, looking, it's root beer. <laughs> I'm looking at the pictures here. My root beer is empty. I'm like, wow, <laughs> out, guys. I'm looking at your picture of the center console here, and really, I mean, the place that they stuck that front cup holder is just doesn't make sense. It's right smack in the middle. If they moved it to the side and made it a full-length container, they could yeah. fit two cup holders in there or, easily. Or I'm doing? thinking, like, okay, take the, that one cup holder and move it to the left. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like an inch. And then put another one, like, catty-cornered exactly. up. So you would oh, have, yeah, or that. Yeah. like, you know, the two side-by-side kind of like that with a gear oh. shift up here. 
But I think, side by, I think even side by side would work. It looks like you have enough room on either side to make I, up for the couple. But I'm, I just, I'm sure there's a great reason for it, and Lexus didn't do that for some reason. But it just it's seems weight really balancing. <laughs> because um, my super gulp 44 ounce is going to make the car off balance. Hey, you never know. A lot of companies do a lot of really weird things to even car balance. Um, but. So if cup holders are important to you, seriously, if you ever get the phone call that says we're bringing you a Porsche, just tell them to take it back. Hey, well, that's German. I'm thinking like an American here, okay? But if I had a Porsche, I wouldn't really worry about it. I'd be like, you know, it's going to spill anyway because I'm going to be taking this corner at like, you know, well, 0.98 so like Most of them, the only cup, cup holders are these flimsy little plastic arms that pop out of the passenger side of the dash <laughs> and are about yay big. Oh yeah, I've seen um, this. It's ridiculous. Right now, I've got one in the. I, I have a Panamera, the big, huge four-door Porsche. Right. I have three cup holders. Room for four people. I've got three cup holders. Now I do still have. I do still have two teeny tiny little ones that'll pop out of the dash over on the passenger side. Like this one does at least have actual cup holders in it. But yeah, I've only got three for for four people. <laughs> Well, you know, that works. Whatever. They hate their cup holders. All right. Um, we're going to go ahead and we're going to move on to some news. Uh, I'm going to start with NSX. So the new NSX has been coming for what, like 47 years now or something? That car is burning hot, man. I'm telling you. Um, well, great. so the NSX is, is coming, we're, we're told. The NSX is coming and we're working on it. And then like six months later we get a – the NSX is canceled because of money or because of the economy or because of emissions or because of whatever. But it was always like, we're going to build this thing. No, we're not. Yes, we are. No, we're not. Well, now we have finally seen a prototype production version running around the Nürburgring. So it's like actually coming, guys. Like this is actually really happening this time. And it looks good even in that swirly camo. <laughs> it's sort of. So that was like two or three days ago. We're like, hell yeah, look at this. We have NSX on the Nurburgring. Um, today we got shots of the NSX on fire on the <laughs> Nurburgring. <laughs> Thanks, so, I think that. Uh, yeah. Uh, that piece should probably be live now or be it's on the homepage right now. Yeah, it's just about to say okay. it should be on the homepage right now. Yep, so um, I think it's great because the original NSX was sort of like the uh, Ford GT. It was like, we're going to beat Ferrari on the racetrack sort of car. And uh, it, it appears they're really taking that rivalry with Ferrari to the next step. Oh, yeah, well, Ferrari has supercars catch on fire all the time. Boom, on fire on the Nürburgring. What now? <laughs> we have an ignition <laughs> system inside a bag of cotton. I just – I next just the fuel <laughs> tank. Yep. In my in in my 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 head, there's gonna be a photo of just like some engineer like flipping off a Ferrari as it drives by, holding like a torch. To <laughs> ah! <laughs> oh, oh my goodness! And how well, long did you spend staring at the pictures trying to pick this thing apart? I spent <laughs> well, so it was an urgent thing, obviously, to get to get written. So, so I, I did most of the time writing, but I did spend like ten or fifteen minutes trying to see if I could peek at the engine or the transmission or the gear, like something with like piss, with, with with pieces of it gone. I'm like, I can I can maybe see things, but I I, I couldn't really see anything. Um, but oh yeah, uh, so the reason the Porsche only has three cup holders is the driver shouldn't shouldn't be drinking. He should be focused on driving the tires off. Fair enough. Yeah, I'll accept that. Um. But yeah, as so... the rest of your buddies are like, yeah, turn it up. <laughs> yeah. 
Do not spill your beverage in my $130,000 car. <laughs> but, yeah, so we had an NSX. We're like, yes, NSX is really, really real. By the way, it's also really, really on fire. And flammable. <laughs> well, you know, I mean, like, it looks kind of good with that target top look. You know, the top's all melted off. <laughs> so it kind of looks like uh, the, uh, what is it, the Fiat 500? Yeah. <laughs> Which is a real convertible. <laughs> Damn it. It is a real convertible. All right. Oh, well, let's classic. talk about something else that probably won't catch on fire, we all hope. Um, Tesla has announced a new car that oh, is that'll... not called the Model E. That'll, that'll burn, too, but hopefully not. <laughs> Someone will do something, and it will burn, and it will make the news, and everyone will think, oh, Tesla is such a terrible company. Yeah, even though, what, several hundred cars catch on fire every day that are gasoline-based. Yeah, let's yeah. look at the Ford F-150. I'm sure it burns too, but anyway, anyway, anyway. So the Model E slash not really the E slash it's going to be the the, the Tree 3 because it's a Roman numeral. Like, I don't know what Elon Musk was thinking. So he's got the Model S. He's coming out with a Model X SUV. Now he's wanting to do the Model E because he's the... Uh, a really dirty man. It, well, no, typical auto guy. Let's 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 just go ahead and think about it. So, if you are in Hollywood, where there are lots of supermodels and movie stars, they're all very ego conscious because they're in the spotlight. Yeah. Um, if you own and drive a Tesla, like that's probably on your to-do list with a lot of these, you know, people. <laughs> Tesla just, have a new advertising campaign. Our cars spell sex. Yeah, better than sex is what it'll say. <laughs> Stay in the environment. Dot dot dot. <laughs> all right. Okay. Anyway, so, anyway. Ads, ads with all three cards across just S E X on TV. Yeah. No. You walk into the dealer. The Model S, the Model E, the Model X, and it's just right there, <laughs> right there, right as you walk in. Okay. So really down to the down to the facts of this car. So. He, uh, Elon Musk, the CEO of Tesla, had an interview, a candid, candid interview with uh, the guys at Auto Express, and he was like, oh yeah, we're going to make the Model 3, and we're going to kill the BMW 3 Series, and this car is only going to cost 35 grand, and it's going gonna, it's gonna to go like 200 miles on a single charge, and it's going to be amazing. I'm sure it probably will be if it's anything yeah. like the Model S. Oh yeah, uh... I mean, yeah, that's the news is, you know, Tesla is obviously coming out with a smaller, cheaper, more economical car, but it's still going to have the same niceties of the Model S. It's still going to be able to use the same supercharger system that, uh, you know, is getting developed in California on the West Coast as far as charging the car. Uh, I mean, it's – how do you say no to that? It's a, it's a really great, great thing, and if you check out our rendering of it, it looks even – just it's fantastic. So. Our rendering looks a lot like a smaller Model S, which it is sort of what thing is really going to look like. And I doubt that the Model E or 3 or whatever is going to have those rear-facing seats in the back, uh, you know, obviously because of space, but I would say it's going to be at least a good four- or five-seater sedan, probably a five-seater, and, uh, you know, it'll it'll probably sell pretty well. Yeah, I, I mean, imagine I'm, that Tesla's going to have a hard time keeping them keeping them in stock. If I'm, they can hit that thirty-five thousand dollar target, that will be yes. And could you imagine thirty-five grand for the car, plus all of the government incentives too? I mean, mm -hmm. how much is it going to be? Like a twenty-seven, twenty-eight thousand dollar Tesla? 
depends on how many kilowatts the battery is, but yeah, it's going to be, you should get almost the full credit, I think, almost the full 7,500. I mean, that just makes a whole lot of sense to me. But I mean, I, I'm excited because I wanted a Model S, and well, I can't afford a Model S. This this is almost in my wheelhouse. Um, well, yeah, I mean, if you count all the government incentives and tax write-offs and crap like mm -hmm. that, yeah, it's totally within, like, normal people's reach. Well, normal, well, uh, like, yeah, well within a lot of normal people's reach. We're mm -hmm. not normal people. We're writers, so we're poor. Normal yeah. people can can actually afford a $30,000 car. <laughs> In fact, I think right now the average new new car purchase is, like, between twenty nine dollars and $31,000. Like, that's yeah. the average new car price. Yeah, that just sounds outrageous so. to us because, again, we're, we're writers. <laughs> and like all creative professionals, we don't really get paid that well. <laughs> <laughs> Way to put it bluntly. <laughs> I mean, it's pretty I'm not going to say anything to my boss. Photographers don't make a lot of money. You know, painters don't make a lot of money. Musicians don't make a lot of money. Writers don't make a lot of money, unless you're one of the few exceptions. Or unless you've died. Well, no, but like, obviously, <laughs> the top gear people make lots of money. Obviously, somebody like Chris Harris makes lots of lots of money. And then, yeah, painters, musicians, you know, like big famous musicians make lots of money. But somebody who's just a musician that does like local touring, they make enough to be okay and not starve to death. But otherwise, yeah. So they will buy your Nissan Versa note. Yes, actually, that would be a great musician's car. You could fit an entire drum kit in the back of that thing. I guarantee it. <laughs> that would have been a good picture. You know what? My so, brother does have a drum kit, but he's like three and a half hours away. Road trip. Road trip. <laughs> well, I don't have the Nissan anymore. I've got the Porsche now. Hey, road trip anyways. Load yeah. that up. Whatever. Yeah. <laughs> I knew it wouldn't fit, but I just wanted to try it anyway. <laughs> I just, I just really wanted to drive this part. Now stellar leather. <laughs> All right. Uh, let's talk about more supercar goodness stuff since we got on the topic of, of Porsche. Uh, Bentley apparently wants to make a sort of cheaper coupe. Yeah, um, much like Tesla and going smaller, but if this is a whole lot more money. Bentley is looking at making a baby Continental. Um, now, when I talk baby Continental, you have to remember we're taking the big, huge, massive... So like 185, 195? Somewhere in that range. basically a full-size car. <laughs> we're going to make a super tanker into a barge. <laughs> yeah, exactly. exactly. That, that's about the best way I've heard it put. <laughs> Take a super tanker and make it a barge. <laughs> but basically what they're shooting for here is they've compared it to some of the journalists to a 911. I think that's kind of pushing it. Yeah. Aston Martin Vantage, maybe. McLaren P13, yeah, maybe. I think this is still going to be a lot bigger than either of those and, and not quite the handler those will be. But you're getting a Continental you know, GTV8 that has all the power and decent handling, and you're getting it for about 500 pounds lighter. That's what all the estimates are pretty much shooting at, about 4,500 pounds. That's 560 pounds less than the uh, GTV6, or GTV8. <clears throat> at that weight range, you're looking four seconds to 60 or so, so it's going to be right in, the, right in the wheelhouse of the 911 and Vantage and things like that. Uh, the big news here is, well, Bentley's cheapifying itself like every other manufacturer is doing. Um, everybody's basically scaled back a little bit saying, hey, we have to bring in more buyers. Um, I think that's what Bentley's now except, trying to do. Except Ferrari. Not yet. Well, no, you're <laughs> the number again, one brand. Again, Ferrari already cut down their production. They said, we're making too many cars. We're going to make oh, less yeah, cars and yeah. charge more money for them. And they're doing yeah. that. Yeah, yeah well, Ferrari's the number one brand of anything. Brand, not automotive brand, but just brand. Like You can do whatever you want. 
Yeah, the Ferrari's kind of on their own. Yeah, I forgot they are leading every single company out there. But uh, yeah, basically Bentley is going cheaper. Um, so what this means in the future, maybe more cheaper ones, I don't know, but I doubt it. But at least, hey, uh, people, make, people that only make $220,000 a year can afford a Bentley Continental. The new Bentley Versa Note. Yeah. <laughs> the new $19,000 Bentley. That's as bad as that Aston Martin that's built off the Scion IQ. What's that called again? They don't make that anymore, the Signet. They killed Signet. that. I mean, that, that was – what? <laughs> Well, no, what made that car super ridiculous was not only that they made it, but that they still charged like $85,000 for it. And all it was was just a warmed over IQ with leather and all the nice stuff. And, yeah, and, I think and they I, did the, I, I think they did like redid the entirety of the car for the most part. Like they took just the shell and the drivetrain, but still like $85,000 for a Scion IQ. Yeah, still the shell and the drivetrain of a Scion yeah. IQ. I'm sorry. But hey, good news for those of you that make $200,000 a year, you may be able to afford a Bentley. <laughs> That's not us as Christian already let us know. We're all poor. Yeah. I mean, Take a look we're at right. I'm happily compensated. <laughs> <laughs> Until hey, I can afford a Ferrari, I will never be happily compensated. <laughs> I want to be the next Jeremy Clarkson level of paychecks. Well, when your mom makes Paddington Bear, I guess you can do whatever you well, want. Jeremy yeah. Clarkson keeps up his antics. There's gonna be no paycheck. Yeah, for real. <laughs> oh no, no, he just signed like a six-year contract extension. Even if they fire him, he's still gonna get a big payoff, and he still has everything else he can do. Now, when he gets fired for a reason like what he's been getting an issue with, they don't have to pay him jack squat. Uh, well, yeah, they will because uh, he still owns half the rights to that top tier name. That's actually where almost all of his money comes from. Is not from getting paid for doing the show. It's from he owns the rights to the Top Gear name and all the money that comes in from that. Because they make no money from doing shows in the UK because all that's paid for by the BBC with the BBC license, licensing fee. There's no ads on, on the BBC. <laughs> but when it plays here in America or when it plays in the other like 182 countries that plays in, there's ads, and that makes money, and they get money from that stuff. Huh. So that's why that show is shown on every single country. <laughs> yeah, no, it is It is. It is shown in more countries than any other show ever in the history of ever. Wow. Yeah, when I was overseas, it was in Indonesia from what I remember. <laughs> yep, it is It is actually like the most popular show of all time. So, yeah, yeah. that's where he gets his cash. Um, but anyway, it's awesome. Yay, small, cheap Bentley. Go buy it. Yes, yay. <laughs> yay, Bentley! Um, let's let's talk about some video games. Um, lots of video game news. So uh, we just did a story. Uh, Forza Horizons coming out. We already knew it was going to have more than 200 cars, but now we have the list of the first 100 of them. And there's a whole bunch of really cool stuff, including a Willis Jeep. Yeah! Awesome. <laughs> I saw it and I made a comment. I'm like, ah, okay, I might have to buy the game because uh, it has a Jeep. <laughs> yep. A Willis Jeep and a VW bus, like. In a racing game? That's that's just awesome. It's like, hey, right. guys, here. Lightning McQueen now. <laughs> yep. Uh, well, so that was some of the stuff that made the first Forza Horizon game kind of cool. It had some things in it that weren't exactly super performance-oriented, but were cool car culture cars. And uh, I like the idea that they're chasing a game about not just pure performance, but about car culture in general. Um, so that's out. Um, sitting right here behind me, I've got a brand-new 4K monitor that is on loan to me from Asus. So um, if you have a 1080p television, this is four times sharper than your 1080p television. And uh, the new Grid Autosport game supports that, and there's a new game called The Next Car Game, which supports that. I've got both of those. 
Um, review for Grid Auto Sport will be up probably maybe tomorrow or early next week. Um, I'm doing a piece about how I feel the new 4K monitor affects things because that's really cool. Um, so yeah, a lot of really cool video game news coming up in the next week or so if you guys are super interested in video game stuff. So keep your eyes here for that. Um, why don't we talk about some truck stuff, Mark? Trucks. Woo. America. America. <laughs> so yeah, trucks. Um, yeah, I mean, we, uh, we have known for a little bit that uh, Chevy's kind of been playing around with the idea of a kind of an off-road Ford Raptor competitor, um, and it might be called the ZR2, which um, has historical preference or uh, significance the S10, for right? yeah the old SN S10, and then um, Tracker, it was also the on a concept two. truck uh, back in 2011, a Silverado yeah. actually. So don't forget about the Tracker ZR2 though. Don't forget about that. Uh, <laughs> I have to remind you of that. The Geo Tracker. Slash Chevy track. Oh, what a great car. <laughs> Let's not get stuck on that because we still have a lot of show to do and not a lot of time. Let's go. <sighs> you know, so, fun. Okay, I'll be short. I'll be short. Anyway, we don't really have any information besides it's a possibility. Uh, when the trucks, when the new Chevy uh, Colorado GMC Canyon came out uh, last year, late last year, uh, the engineers were like, yeah, it, it could happen. And they were kind of like, it might happen. Uh, so we're thinking that it's going to happen, but we don't know if it's going to be a direct competitor with the Raptor or if it's going to be that great of a like a Baja truck or something like that. So um, the speculation that I have on it, it's you know, it's really it's got to have some sort of a nifty feature, uh, like a built-in winch or uh, electronic locker, locking differentials or something like that to kind of differentiate it from the competition, <laughs> kind of make it stand out. So hopefully you know, they throw the diesel in it too. Make it a uh, pretty sweet truck, and that's all. That's all she wrote. Uh, we also got some new details on the upcoming aluminum, aluminum, aluminum F-150, right? Yeah. Um, engine specs for that 2.7 liter EcoBoost V6. Oh, they're insane. Oh, dude, like a 2.7 liter V6, like holy crap, 325 horsepower, 375 <laughs> horse. That's just nuts. Nuts. And with the truck weighing 700 pounds less than it did last year, I know. That's going to be pretty darn good. I mean, like, and, I, I and can imagine the like, this thing getting pretty good thing? mileage. What? Uh, what is what is the payload capacity on that thing again? That's a good question. I don't have that number in front of me, but it's I think still they're pretty it. good. Yeah, no, it's something like 2,200 pounds or something, like, in yeah. the bed. Like, like it's yeah. like a ton. Yeah. I mean, well, it's I mean, nuts. the whole half ton, quarter ton, one ton truck thing that went out the window a long time. A ago. long time I mean, ago. These trucks, right. these trucks can haul and tow crap tons of weight. But still, um, yeah, just just being able to put that much in the bed of this, yeah. everyone's worried it's going to be fragile aluminum <clears throat> truck, which I'm pretty sure Ford has proved that it's not going to be fragile in any way, shape, fashion, or form with some of the tests they did. But. No. And speaking um, you know, of, it's like, like I think that's a really awesome story about how Ford did that with the uh, mining operation and the yes. Baja. The mining operation really got me because it's like they took a regular 2014 truck, they put an aluminum bed on it that looked just like a 14 bed, and and told the workers, it's a test truck, just use it how you would. They didn't know anything different about it. They just knew, okay, Ford's giving me a truck to use, and they abused the crap out of it, and... Ford learned from that. They did the same thing with a Baja, you know? I mean, like, yeah. it's great 
great the test. The Baja is my favorite. If yeah. if you guys don't know what the Baja story is, so like with the mining thing, Ford made an aluminum version of an old F-150 to test their new aluminum and all that stuff and sent it out. They did the same thing with Baja, but they took an entire new F-150 truck, made it, Except they made it look like the old one, and they drove it in Baja, and nobody freaking knew, and it made it. And it had this 2.7 liter uh, V6. Yeah, in it. like so everything, it, like the drivetrain, all of it. It was the it was the all new truck. Yeah, so you had a 2015 dressed as a 2013, uh, and and no one knew. It had EcoBoost written on the side of it, and that was it. Like, oh, I'm sure it's a 3.5 liter EcoBoost. Right, it's their EcoBoost engine that you can order because it's EcoBoost. Yeah, and. Ford didn't do anything to this truck besides put uh, Raptor suspension on it, Raptor tires, and put a roll cage in it. Stock engine, stock drivetrain, stock shocks, everything, well, Raptor stock, uh, and it finished the race. 500 miles of grueling desert, you know, at 100 miles an hour. That's incredible. It's so awesome. All right, um, we're running a little short on time. Uh, we're going to move on. We're going to hit our questions and answer section. So our first question of the week comes from Witty Derek. Hey, Derek. Uh, after reading articles about the new TDI engines Audi is developing and then the hybrid diesel E-Class that did 1,223 miles on a single tank, it's clear that diesel engines are not what they used to be. So this begs the question. Petrol or diesel engines, what would you pick? Um, I'll start with, I picked diesel. I owned one. Um, there is a difference depending on what you want to do and where you drive. My driving is long-distance highway cruising. In those scenarios, diesel is hands down your best pick for fuel economy performance. I mean, nothing will beat them period, if you're going to do long, high-speed cruising. If you live in a city and you want to save gas, a hybrid's probably your better option because the electric engine will move you at slow speeds and you won't use any fuel at all. If you want super-duper-duper-duper crazy fun, fast performance, there are a couple diesels out there, but for the most part, gasoline's still where it's at, mostly for the way the cars rev and feel. So that's my... I'm about the same same spot with you. You know, diesels are great for fuel economy. Um, good if you live on hilly terrain, you're constantly climbing and descending hills, um, <clears throat> and they're like an awesome fuel economy. Uh, the only issue with them is the the price is significantly higher for diesel fuel, which still kind of baffles me. But um, but if you're driving in a city, yeah, gasoline or hybrid are your best bet. And pure performance, it still has to be gasoline because, like you said, there's only a handful of diesel engines doing anything worth a damn. There's a whole bunch in the pipeline. You know, there's Audi coming out with all these crazy TDIs and like e-turbo TDIs that are, you know, massive horsepower and 60 miles an hour and under four seconds. But that stuff's not here yet. We're still a few years away from that. So for now, uh, I go with petrol just because I like the performance of it. Hmm. Interesting. Well, I, Christian, I second everything you said. Um, yes, there is a time and a place for everything uh, out there. Hybrids are great in the city, gasoline is a great all-rounder, and diesels are great on the highway. Um, that's where diesels make their money back. Yeah, they're higher to get into at first, they're higher to refuel, but you save it in the long run on those highway runs at you know 500 miles a day or something like that by diesel. Um, diesels also have really great performance values uh, when you're towing and stuff like that if you buy a truck. That's why Ram put the eco diesel 
uh, in their 1500. It's like 28 miles a gallon on the highway. Amazing truck, and it can still tow 9,200 pounds. So I think that's a that's it's a fantastic uh, compromise in between the two. So uh, you know, I think it really depends on what you're wanting to do. But you know, there you go, diesel, for me. All right. So yeah, uh, Darren Double O Seven. Hey guys, I am currently planning to go on vacation, and I have a pretty big journey ahead of me, about 1,442 miles. My car is relatively new, two years old, and about 31,000 miles. How should I prep the car for such a journey? Could you give me some advice on what to do and what to check before a long road trip? Um, I've got a lot of experience at this one. <laughs> um, if you have, well, obviously, always do like the main things. Just take your car in, like if it's been a while. Take your car and get the freaking oil oil changed. Check your tire pressures, stuff like that. You know, if you haven't had your tires ro rotated because you're at 31,000 miles, uh, rotate your tires. While the tires are off, just check the brakes. Really simple things. At 31,000 miles, there should be almost nothing you should really worry about to prep your car for a, a big journey like that. Yeah. You know, just check things. Open the hood, go... Nope, belts don't have cracks. Yes, it has oil in it. Yes, the oil's been changed. Uh, my coolant's topped off. Um, make sure you do have bug cleaning gunk in your car. A lot of people don't think about that. And when you're driving down the highway for three, four, five thousand miles, a uh, lot gets caked up there, and you want to be able to clean that off. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna add in check your wiper blades. Nothing is more annoying than mm. getting 500 miles into a trip and finding out your wiper blades are crap. Yes, that's irritating. And while yes. you're getting your tires rotated, they're about the halfway point of their wear mark if you're 31,000 miles. Get them balanced too, because that tends to flip flop as your tires wear the balancing point. So get them balanced too, because uh, you don't want to get into your trip at 70 miles an hour and steering wheel's doing this the whole way. Yes. Uh, mine actually just started doing that, so it's time for mine to get balanced. Uh, like Kristen said, you know, if you're close to an oil change, if you're within 2,000 miles of your oil change, just get it done and don't have to worry about it later. Um, other things are basic, like Christian said, check your uh, check your brakes, windshield washer fluid, yes. Um, belts, yes. But 31,000 miles, there's really not very much to worry about. Yeah, and on your wipers too, helpful trick. Rubbing alcohol in a paper towel, get that wet, clean it up, be brand new. All that mm -hmm. gets it's, it gets all that uh, road grime and crap off, so it's it's not streaking and smearing the bugs and crap. It's just it's a clean, acts like a brand new wiper blade. So yeah. helpful hint on I that. I am I am going to alter your statement slightly. Use Windex, not rubbing alcohol. Um, rubbing alcohol dries out and will shorten the life of rubber. Well, I guess that doesn't count that I just put wiper blades on my car after five years of the same blades. Nice. Yeah, five years on the same blades. I'm just saying. Alcohol Bosch icon rubber. brand. Bosch, if you're listening, I love you. Bosch icons, buy them. <laughs> yeah, I, I can never get more than like six months out of blades for mine die. I don't know what I do. I think I like have nuclear rain or something down here. <laughs> do you clean off lots of bugs? Well, of course. I live in Florida. It's like the love bug capital. <laughs> uh, well, because like usually that's what causes them to to go go bad is. When you're cleaning off like rough things, they put little thin hairline cracks in your windshield wiper, and so then when they pull across, that will separate, and you get those little stupid lines all the way across. Mm -hmm. your window. Yeah. Um, as for the actual trip it, it, itself, um, I do recommend packing always a small little just-in-case kit. Um, check your spare tire. Make sure your spare tire has air and all that sort of stuff in case you get a flat. Um, just put a small blanket in your car somewhere. 
Um, I like to carry a little bit of extra, yeah, flashlight. Um, make sure the flashlight has batteries. And then if you're really worried about it, just like a little bit of food, um, some beef jerky, some nuts, and some water. Like I keep those three things in my car at almost all times when I'm on a road trip. Because if you get hungry and you're late, you don't want to stop. Some beef jerky, some peanuts will get you through a lot longer than you expect. A little bit of water if you get thirsty. Uh, and then again, if anything happens, you know, if, if you get – something happens at 3 a.m. and you're stuck out in the middle of the highway, chances of someone getting to you in a reasonable amount of time is kind of lengthy. Um, you know, sometimes it can take like a, a AAA truck or a road crew like an hour and a half or two hours to get to you. If, if you haven't eaten in five or six hours because you're trying to make your trip and you get stuck, having that extra food and water, you'll be happy you did. Yeah. So – uh, does that about cover cover that oh, one? Make sure all your lights work too, please. Oh yes, yeah. <laughs> so true. How do we all miss? Turn that? your lights on when it rains, people. Please. Nissan. Use a turn signal. Back to Nissan being awesome. If your windshield wipers go more than so, I, this is in the Altima. I don't know if it does it in their in their other cars, but if your windshield wipers make more than three passes without stopping, your headlights will automatically turn on. Thank you, thank you, and and DRLs, they're great. But they're not your headlights. You have to actually turn them on if you're in a Ford product, so that way you know your taillights come yep. on too. Oh, yes, that's my yes. number one pet peeve ever. Ugh. Ever. I just want to break things. No, my, my favorite is people that drive with just their driving lights on, just the fog lights. Yeah. That's what gets me. It's like, ugh. But so I I hate when stupid things become law. Like every car has to have TPMS, and every car has to have the traction control, and now every car has to have rollover protection to prevent people who are who are not wearing seatbelts from being thrown out of their car and rollover. Like, I hate all that crap. I seriously want a law that says if that the Nissan thing, or if your headlight, if your windshield wipers make so many passes, your lights just automatically come on, so I don't have to screw with it anymore. Yeah, GM does that too. Um, I know in my Trailblazer, if it's really bright outside, but if my if my windshield wipers are on for I think. A reasonable amount of time, the lights automatically come on, even if it's like sun raining or whatever they call it. So right. too. in All a right. ten-year-old car. See, all right, we're, <laughs> damn it, we're over again. Um, we have one last thing to do. It's his own drive burn. This is from Dennis Taylor seventy nine, the wonderful, hateful person who gave us <laughs> some of our terrible ones before. Burn them um, all. This time, he gave me specifically a special one because he thought it would be super hard. But ha ha, I got you this time, Dennis. This one's really easy for me because one of these cars I don't care about. Boom. Um, we are going to be talking about a, tr a trio of Porsches. We have the 550 Spider, the 356, and the 1966 911 S. So if you guys are not familiar, the um, as, as Mark so wonderfully put it to me before, the, the 911 is the 911, the 356 is the car that Stuart Little drives, and the 550 is the car that James Dean died in. Yep. So there you go. Nice and easy. Um, and and the 911? No, I call that Jerry Seinfeld's car. Oh yeah, sorry, Jerry Jerry Seinfeld's car. But it's it's a 911. Everyone knows a nine a 911. Um, so I am going to burn the 356 because I really don't care that much for the 356. It's extremely important in Porsche's history, and it was their only car in various shapes and forms for a very very long time. It is the car that birthed the 911, and it is the car that gives us the Porsche we know today. But I really don't have a lot of feeling for it, so that can just burn in a pit. No shit's given. Um, I'm going to drive the 550 Spider once because it is an incredible machine. It's you know relatively fast, relatively amazing, got great history to it. 
lots of pedigree. But um, it is essentially a race car with no roof and no windows, so it's not a really practical car for all the time. And then I'm just going to drive a 911S every day because, hell yes, driving a classic 911S for the rest of my life sounds like a great way to live. <laughs> so, yeah, those I, are, that's my I freedom. I have to second you on that one. Yeah, the, um, the 556, Three, five, every six. time I see the car, I think it's Stuart Little. So I'm going to burn that one. Um, the 550 Spider, uh, I'll drive it once. Uh, hopefully I won't kill myself. And then the 911, I'll drive that every day. Super quick. Awesome. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna make this three for three. I'm gonna have the exact same thing. I'm going to have to unfortunately burn a three five six, despite it being the basic history of Porsches, just because it doesn't really excite me. I like to see one, like look at it, but if I have to choose between the three, I'm gonna burn it. Um, I'm gonna want to drive the five fifty just once, just one time, and like you said, try not to hit a tree. And in the nine eleven S, I would want to drive that forever because. It's just a, a an icon in the sports car world. It really is. Yeah, and not, and not to you know not be kosher with James Dean because he was a cool guy. But yeah, exactly. You know. <laughs> All right. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that has been our show. We are happy you came out to see us. We're happy you joined us for our twenty first root beer celebration blast. <laughs> um. <laughs> One down, twelve to go. Yeah. <laughs> My my root beer only came in a six pack. Did yours come in twelve? No, mine came in six. I was just making. Oh money. man, I bought a four pack. <laughs> I just Ooh, wanted to buy one. You must have had the expensive. Actually, no, I lied. Mine mine did come come in a four pack. Yeah. That's how you know you have the nice expensive stuff. It only comes in fours. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I seriously contemplated going and getting some while we were on the show, but then I figured that would probably not be nice. I don't know. They make big like they make like big sixteen ounce cans of Milwaukee's best in four packs. So I don't think that really qualifies. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my gosh. (laughs) Yeah, I honestly. I got my four pack. (laughs) No, you're right. My my thought is completely just ruined. All right. Um, Anyways, thank you everyone for coming out. Um, a big thank you to Halty and Andrew for joining us on the live stream. Anyone else who's watching, if you didn't chime in on the chat, thank you for showing up for the live stream. We love you as well. Um, as always, this is the topspeed.com podcast. You can catch Top Speed Podcast every Thursday, usually, except for sometimes when we do it on Wednesday, like next week we're doing Wednesday. Um, if you don't have time to make it to watch the live show and you have a hard time making it to the site to listen, you can subscribe to us on iTunes and you'll get them on your phone or your iPod automatically. Uh, so that's a pretty cool thing to do. If you do subscribe to us on iTunes, if you wouldn't mind, please go ahead and leave us a little rating, uh, one through five on the stars, and a little review. We really appreciate it. It makes us look good. helps push us to the top of the iTunesy charts, and that's awesome for us, and that's awesome for you. Five stars, um, though. Yep. Five so stars. thank you. Thank you again, everyone. We love and appreciate all of you. Uh, yep. We'll see you guys next week. Please have a wonderful, safe Friday, a super great weekend. And uh, join us next Wednesday when I will be in Colorado, probably yelling and screaming in excitement about some Miatas. Anyways, uh, let's see if I can get this music to play, and uh, I think we'll call it a show. Thank you, guys. Maybe? (laughs) 